Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the Book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we approach your word this morning, I just pray that you would speak to us through your truth. I pray, Lord, that we would take your word and live it, not just intellectually acknowledge it, but we would grab hold of it and apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, our focal passage is in the 12th chapter of Romans, in the 13th verse, as we continue our study, not only of the book of Romans, but also of chapter 12. And before I begin, let me address our listeners on sermon audio by saying that we had technical difficulties on verse 12, so if you're following along with us, We didn't skip verse 12, so uh, I wanted to explain to our listeners why you're missing verse 12 if you're listening in. Let me also remind everyone that Romans 12 is an outline on how we should live as Christians. Chapters 1 through 11 is the gospel. Chapters 12 is us applying that truth in our life in living out the Christian life. Christianity isn't a theory. It's not an intellectual acknowledgement. Christianity is a way of life based upon the teachings and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this has clearly been pointed out in verses 11 and 12 if we, as we have studied those. Verse 11, it reads, Not lacking in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. And I think that we can all agree that you cannot accomplish 11 and 12 unless you are actively living the Christian life. And if I'm going to live as a Christian in today's society, as I preached verse 12 last week, I must have an eternal hope. And as we live in a society that's decaying, I can cling to that eternal hope found in the teachings and truth of Jesus Christ. In addition, not only do I have that eternal hope, but I am walking through trials and tribulation with patience, knowing that God is in control, knowing that God uses all things. And I'm petitioning him in prayer because I have the confidence knowing that God hears and answers each of our prayers. And this leads us to our focal passage this morning, which is found in the 13th verse of Romans 12. Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. This is one of the directives that Paul has given us as believers. Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Let's first look at that first word, distributing. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his famous study of Romans, addressed this word 
because of its importance. And we have to have the correct meaning so we can understand what Paul is telling us here. And if we think about the word distributing in our modern language today, one could walk away with the idea that we were working in a food pantry or serving on a benevolence committee. And that could be part of it, this word distributing, and which leads us to distribution. But that's not the meaning that Paul is giving us here when he tells us that we should distribute to the needs of the saints. If we look at the original language in Vine's Expository Dictionary, they give us this definition, which I think is extremely important. The word distributing means to come into communion or fellowship with, to become a sharer, be made a partner. That's a completely different meaning. You and I could stand at a soup line and we can coldly distribute food to those in need. That's not what Paul is telling us to do. What Paul is telling us to do is is that we should distribute. In other words, we should be in partnership with, we should be in communion with the person. That's a completely different meaning. That meaning has a lot more depth. We're emotionally involved, aren't we, in that original language. It's not, as we celebrate this Christmas season, it's not just mindfully throwing 50 cents in a Salvation Army tub. It's knowing. It's fellowshipping with. It's partnering. That's a completely different meaning. In fact, if you think about it, any gift without this type of attitude becomes just a tax deduction. And unfortunately, I think that for years, tons of money has been given, all for good causes. But the primary motive has been for a tax deduction. But the tax deduction isn't the reason, or should it be the reason. Love should be the foremost reason. A communion and partnering with. Well, who should we partner with? Well, he tells us. We should partner with the saints. Now, as we're partnering with the saints... We have to do it in love. Just look previously in verse 9 of our focal chapter 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, a genuine love. A genuine love. A real love. And if we're going to have what Paul is telling us to do here, we have to have a genuine love with the saints. Now, who are the saints? Paul tells us in the opening of chapter 1 of Romans. In Romans 1, 7, he wrote, To all who are in Rome, 
beloved of God, called to be saints. In other words, we're all saints. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saints. You may have heard, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek, but you know, you're either a saint or you ain't. And there's two types. We're either believers or non-believers. And what Paul is telling us here to do is to distribute, have a fellowship, have a communion with our fellow believers in distributing to the needs of the believers. And it has to be in love. Love is how we should be defined by the rest of the world. This is what Christ tells us in the 13th chapter of John. In John 13, 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have a love for one another. This love isn't just a lip service. If you think about it, there's a lot of people that love with a lip service. But this is a actual caring that drives action. A caring that drives action. It's love in action. So when we say that we love our brothers and sisters in Christ... It means that we're driven to act. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3 verse 16, it is written, By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's easy for us to say, well, hey, we love one another. But our love is proven when we are ministering to the saints. So we know the action. We know the recipient. So what's the transaction? If I know the destination and I know what I'm supposed to do, what's the medium? What am I addressing? Well, Paul tells us, verse 13... Distributing to the needs of the saints. Needs. He's not saying wants. He's saying needs. The King James Version uses the word necessities. In other words, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ within our congregation... And we're going to expand that in just a minute. But no one should go hungry. Right? Is that a need? Food and shelter? No one should go hungry. 
Everybody should have the basic human needs met. And we're called to do that. Now, let me point out something. Because he starts off with this word delivering, which we've already determined is a form of fellowship. You can't do this effectively unless you have true fellowship with one another. Think about it. The last thing that people want to disclose is if they are having a hard time financially and not able to meet their basic needs. That's humbling. That's absolutely humbling. And someone's not going to share that unless you really know them well. In our world, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. And for the church to truly function, there has to be fellowship. Fellowship of the saints. You can't have that unless you are here more than one hour a week. True fellowship. When we gather together and we know one another and we communicate to one another and we're brothers and sisters in Christ, that is built upon a relationship that is accomplished over time. And if someone isn't in fellowship, you really can't blame the body for not addressing the needs of the person in distress. I remember years ago, the church got blamed by someone because they were sick. And they said no one called them. At that particular time, I thought to myself, well, you haven't been here for over a year. You've been sick for one month. So that's kind of impossible. But when people are here and they're fellowshipping with one another, and we know one another, and we're comfortable with one another, and you have a transparent relationship built upon the love of Christ, then you have true fellowship. And in that true fellowship, we can address the needs of the saints. Sometimes the church in general gets blamed by being a middle class to wealthy institution. And I think that there's some truth in that here in America. Poor people do not go to church. That's just a fact. And I think that one of the legitimate gripes that the lower socioeconomic group can have on the church is that we can gather together and we can talk about love Sunday after Sunday. But there needs to be love in action. 
And in that love and action, as we see people that are in stress, the church needs to be ready. And unfortunately, I have seen churches step over the bodies of its members to give something to someone who's not a believer. But what Paul's telling us is, is we need to address the needs of the saints. So first and foremost, the church being alive to the truth of God needs to address the needs of brothers and sisters within our ranks. We need to be a loving congregation. That's all churches. To where we address people that are having a significant problem meeting their needs. Not their wants, but their needs. And I agree with Martin Lloyd-Jones. This demands stewardship. We all have wants, don't we? We all have wants. But to distribute to the needs of the saints means that I have to and you have to be a good steward. Which requires discernment. That we need to be discerning in our gifts. I remember when the church first opened. And it took me a while to figure this out. But there is a group of people here in town that are professionals in calling, in asking for the things from the church. They're the same people. I learned this the hard way. It's the same people that go around every winter and say, I'm having trouble meeting my heating bill. It's the same people every summer that's calling around, I'm having trouble with my air conditioning bill. They're just like a professional beggar. We have to be discerning. I've learned that the first question that I ask those folks is to say, well, have you addressed your needs with your home church? It gets real quiet. Not something that we should apologize for. We should be about meeting the needs of the people within our congregation. It's love in action, distributing to the needs of the saints. But then Paul goes further. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Now, what's the definition of hospitality? Well, and just like distribution has a modern definition that's different than what Paul is communicating, hospitality also has a modern definition. We typically assign that word to somebody that's a good dinner host or hostess. That they're hospitable. But in the original language, this isn't the case. This is a love of a stranger. This is what hospitality means. I remember years ago, I was accused here in the church of not being hospitable. Because I'm just such a warm and cuddly person. (laughs) In your response. (laughs) Proves that. The the person was misusing the definition. Being hospitable doesn't mean that you're a warm and cuddly person. Being hospitable means that you have a love of strangers. And what Paul is saying here is, is that our love for the saints should go outside of our four walls. 
It should go outside of our four walls. And we have a number of clear biblical examples of this. But let's turn to 2 Corinthians 8. As we see Paul describing the Macedonian churches in their giving for the needs of the saints in Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 1, it reads, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy in their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. The Macedonian churches had hospitality for the church in Jerusalem as they were taking up their offering and they were a poor group of churches and they dug deep. It was a sacrificial gift. They dug deep. I think this type of hospitality has diminished in churches over the years and I would argue that it needs to be rekindled. If I were to mention to you Ukraine. What's the first thing that comes to mind? War, right? War, and then maybe second, politics. But as Christians, we should be thinking about Ukrainian Christians who are going to suffer greatly this winter as they have no heat. Churches that have been bombed we should recognize Christians across the world that are suffering and we should address those needs. It's so easy for us to become calloused to the pictures that we see on TV of all of the devastation. But what a better way to show the love of Christ when we reach out to people that we don't know personally, but because of our family bonds as brothers and sisters in Christ, we address the needs. In addition, what a better witness for people to see that Christians across the globe take care of their own. We need to do that. We need to take care of our own. We shouldn't rely on the government. Everybody wants to talk about the government and how bad government assistance is. 
I would argue that the reason why we have government assistance is, is the church was woeful in its duties. We've got to stand up. We've got to take care of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Whether they're here local or in addition, if they are abroad. But in addition to that, I would like to point out this word given. It says that we should be given to hospitality. In the original language, that means to make, to run or flee, put to flight, drive away, to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing to run after. In other words, we should be motivated. To be given to hospitality means that we should be motivated. It should be a priority. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 8. As I already read, the Macedonians' gift, and Paul using the Macedonians as an example to the Corinthian church to take up a gift for the Christians in Jerusalem. And in that example, I want to point out that the Macedonian church satisfied Paul's directive here by saying that we should be given to hospitality. If you look at verse 4, of 1 Corinthians 8, it says that they implored us with much urgency. In other words, they had a desire. They were fervent. They wanted to accomplish. As Christians, we are commanded to live this way. And while I say that it is a command... I also will remind you that it comes with great reward. Turn with me to the 25th chapter of Matthew, starting in verse 31. Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. These are the words of Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on the right, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. There's reward. There's reward. And as we come together and as we sacrificially give for people that are brothers and sisters in Christ, it does not go unnoticed in the kingdom of heaven. And it will be recognized as you stand before 
the holy and righteous judge, Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your truth. And I pray, Lord, that this church might be known as a church who lives out its love. Love of Christ and love for the brothers and sisters of Christ. I pray, Lord, that we might look beyond ourselves. That we would truly seek out people that are in need, that are brothers and sisters, so that we can be an example to a lost and dying world of what it truly means to be a Christian. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone listening in this morning that does not know you, that they would accept the greatest love of all, the love of Christ, by repenting of their sins and asking for forgiveness and accepting Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, millcreekchurch.org.